This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. Citizens, welcome to the Fortress of Potitude. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And we are the Cape Podcasters. And this is the show that finally gets to talk about a James Bond movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty it much. It finally happened. We did it. But it's also an X-Men movie. It's 1960s Bond with mutants. How can you take something that I love so dearly in the James <laughs> Bond franchise yep. and mix it with something that I despise so dearly with the X-Men franchise? Despise so dearly. That might be my favorite turn of phrase. Despise so dearly. That sounds like the early 2000s. I'm going to throw it there again. Early 2000s. No, you know what that is? Yeah. That's a that's a modern day Bond title. It's Despise da, so Despise dearly. so dearly. Despise? Yeah, Despise. Okay. Yeah. I think we're on to something here. I heard Tyler Perry just go, mine, mine. <laughs> Tyler Perry's Despise. <laughs> I can't even Despise that. so dearly. So dearly. <laughs> You're welcome, Tyler. We saved you again. Uh, all that progress we made last week. <laughs> he just built an insane movie studio. Yeah, unreal. I didn't realize how close he was to three commas. He broke three commas. Yeah, that's... um For dressing up in drag, for the most part. <laughs> but also being a fucking brilliant producer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do we, get, do we get it back? The karma's back? Are we good? I think so. Okay. I think we, we swung it the other way. Today we are talking about... X-Men, first class from first 2011, class. directed by the Matthew Vaughn. Sure. Give him a V. I, I like will. it. We've yeah. talked about him before. He popped in for, he did kick, for ass. kick Ass. And we'll see him again soon for some, some King's Men. That's right. This is my first time seeing this thing. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Like, I hadn't seen any of this. Are, they're not a trilogy, quadrilogy, right. whatever this they are. One, this one's almost a prequel to the first three. Yeah. It's complicated. It's a spiritual prequel. Sure. I don't know. You've seen this. Yeah, this is probably my second or third time seeing this. And? I like this movie. I think this is one of the best of the franchise. I'm going to completely agree with you all around. I think this is the best that we've seen so far of the franchise. Boom. By a long shot. Yeah. This is a legitimately good movie. Yeah. Go figure. They did it. I just I threw up in my mouth. <laughs> it tasted like Buffalo Trace bourbon coming back. Now it's back down and I'm happy again. Yeah. Because of said Buffalo Trace bourbon. Gotta trace the buffalo. I've traced it. I know where it is now. Do you just want to get into this thing? This is a loaded movie. Is if it? If I've ever seen one. It is a loaded movie. So yeah, why don't we just get into it? We start, like we always do, in Nazi-occupied Poland in 1944. As we always do. If we're not in Bolivia, we are in Nazi-occupied Poland in 1944. Right. Always. Always. A young Eric Lenscher is separated from his parents by Nazi guards. As the guards drag him away, the boy desperately reaches for his parents, and a metal gate bends toward the boy until a guard knocks him unconscious. It's basically the exact same scene from the opening of the first X-Men movie. Yes, it is. And somehow, already better. I couldn't believe it either. And the weird part was, as this is happening, I went, I've seen this before. Have I seen this movie before? (laughs) (laughs) They almost got you. They almost got me. Why would they almost go shot for shot of what they did in the first movie? It's a weird choice. It is a very, it's, it's a choice. That's for sure. All right. I don't know, man. I don't know. That's a great question. You'd have to take that up with the Matthew Vaughn. I like the Matthew Vaughn. I'm not going to do that to him. All right. (laughs) Scientist Sebastian Shaw, played by Kevin fucking Bacon. Yeah, I had no idea Kevin fucking Bacon was in this movie. (laughs) That blew me away when I saw him on screen. Yeah, I bet. Two years after this movie came out, I worked with him on season two of the following. 
and got to know him pretty well as a person. Yeah. Out of all the people I've worked with, just on the movies and the television shows that I've done, there is nobody that even gets close to the type of person Kevin Bacon is. Really? He is unbelievable. The most nice, down-to-earth person you're ever going to meet. Just hanging out with Bacon. It's a guy who's recognized that he's been in this industry for 30 years at this point. Yeah. And he's totally cool. Just about everything. That's awesome. It's the reason why he stuck around, though, because he's awesome. Yeah. People are like, yeah, I want to fucking work with Kevin Bacon. Just to give you an idea of how cool he is, for a Christmas gift for the whole crew, for the following, he got us like these really nice Patagonia vests yeah. that had the following embroidered in the back of it. Oh, perfect. And he wrote out every Christmas card or holiday card, however you want to call it. He wrote, happy holidays, Kevin Bacon, on every single one himself. Wow. Don't know if he did the happy holidays part. Doesn't matter. He definitely he wrote the Kevin Bacon. He still took the time. Yeah. He took the time. Also, when we were doing that, we filmed at this weird, creepy camp, a real murdery camp, okay. if you will, that yeah. was some sort of like cult. I don't know. I never watched the show. It was a weird <laughs> cult place. And it was in the middle of the woods for the most part, so it got really, really dark at night. And he noticed this, and he put headlamps for everyone on the crew. That's cool. It's like, yeah, he was, a thoughtful a, guy. he was a producer on the show, too. And he noticed this about the crew, so he's not just doing things in front of the It's like, hey, yeah. Kevin Bacon, you are a stand-up fucking dude. How about that? That's awesome. I love Kevin Bacon. You know, Weird what? that I love Nazi Kevin Bacon. Yeah, how about that? Nazi Kevin Bacon. He's charming as hell. He is. He witnesses the whole thing happening outside with Eric. He calls him into his office to see him. And Kevin Bacon <laughs> places a metal coin on his desk and says, all right, kid, use your powers. Move the coin. In German. That's true. He does it in German. <laughs> it's all in German. It's all Kevin fucking Bacon. He does the entire scene in perfect German. I'm I saying perfect yeah, because I, was I'm, say, I have American ears. I don't speak German. I don't know if it's perfect, but I'll take your word for it. For someone who doesn't know the difference, perfect. Yeah. As you know, as far as I'm concerned, nailed it. I was like, yep, that is German. <laughs> of course, the kid can't move the coin. He was in distress earlier. It's probably the first time he's ever used his powers. Now he's like, ah, I can't do it. So to recreate the fear that the kid felt, Kevin Bacon brings in dear old mom. And he's like, all right, I'm going to shoot her in the head if you don't make the coin move on the count of three. <laughs> hey, that's that's pretty good motivation when you think about it. And then he kills the kid's mom. Yeah, he couldn't make the coin move again. Yeah, so, so definitely the Nazis are going to be the bad guy in this movie, I think. You would think. The, the Nazis are going to be the bad guys. Uh, yeah. That's, it, well, I'm leaning towards the Nazis are the bad guys. It doesn't happen often. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was wondering how far you're going to ride that pony. I'm just not. That's I choose smart. not to. Smart. Kevin Bacon, save us. Eric flips his shit, as you do, and all the metal in the room starts twisting and, and contracting, and he kills two guards and destroys the room. And Crushes Kevin, their helmets on their heads. It's Kevin awesome. Bacon's like, this is fucking great. I have never seen a human being more filled with joy than Kevin Bacon, not Kevin Bacon, right. is watching the powers come to life here. Yeah. And he tells the kid, he's like, oh, we're going to have some fun. That's our intro. Our cold open. Around the same time, in a Westchester mansion, young Charles Xavier is awoken by sounds coming from the kitchen. So he goes down there and he finds his mother. But it's not his mom at all. That bitch don't cook. Nope. She's never been in the kitchen. We're rich. What do you, what do you think we are? Nice. You think we're peasants? Nice try. Who are you? What'd you do with my mom? <laughs> and it turns out it's this young, shape-shifting blue girl named Raven Darkholm, disguised as his mother, and, you know, looking through the fridge for food. Because she's, she's hungry. Yeah. Young Chuck uses his telepathic powers to talk to Raven. And she's super stoked to meet someone else different, like her. I got so lost trying to, like, in my head, call her Raven. 
the yeah. whole movie because I'm like, right, I get that it's Raven. I get that. Yeah, yeah. It's Mystique. It is Mystique. Let's call it what it is. Sure, but it's she's so Raven. Oh boy, how, <laughs> how long were you setting that one up for? Uh, for about half a second. Good for you. Yeah, the bourbon has kicked in. The synapses are firing. Mm-hmm. In the the brain. buffalo's tracing. That's it. That's that's how it works. Xavier is like, we have too much food anyway. Let's be besties. <laughs> Let me go find the help <laughs> to go throw something together for yeah. us. It kind of pulls a Bruce Wayne says, I don't even think I've ever been in this room before. That doesn't happen. <laughs> we have a kitchen? <laughs> it doesn't happen. <laughs> so we cut to Switzerland, 1962. Eric is now a full-grown Michael Fassbender. Now, this was interesting to me. This has to be an artistic choice because I saw The Irishman. It's really long and it's really good. Yep. And they de-age Robert De Niro to look like a younger Robert De Niro. Right. So why are they de-aging Surrey McKellen to look like Michael Fassbender? <laughs> I see what you did there. The technology is, I mean, it's, it's phenomenal, really, it's when you think about good. it. He shows up at this Swiss bank with a brick of Nazi gold. He gets all magnetic with the banker's metal filling in his mouth. He's like, hey, man, I know you know all about this Nazi gold. Your bacon number's real low, so where is he? <laughs> He pulls the guy's metal filling out of his face, out of his mouth. Yeah, just... it's a lot like Steve Martin in Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, kind of. It's like a bad dentist. Yeah, that's all it is. And the banker's like, "Ow, he's in Argentina. Shit, that's a bad banker." Yeah, realistically. Uh, yeah, honestly, one filling, one Come filling. On. Come on. So Michael Fassbender goes to Argentina, finds this random German digitally bar. altered Syrian McKellen. Let's call it what it is. Digitally altered Sir Ian McKellen goes to Argentina, (laughs) finds this random German bar, kills a pig farmer, a tailor, and a bartender, but it's okay because they're actually Nazis. And then he learns that Kevin Bacon has a yacht in Florida. I love how I was going to get Bitburger beer for us, by the way. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Couldn't find it. Mostly because I didn't look very hard. Okay. Went to one store and saw Buffalo Trace instead and said, that's going to happen instead. Buffalo's tracing my brain. Yeah. I don't care about anything else in the world right now. Just trace that buffalo. But I also like how they do like the boys from Brazil here of the Nazis in Argentina. It's a nice touch. Yeah. How even they start talking German. He's like, oh, German beer? Like, here we are. Only the best. It's nice. Yeah. It's not the best. Bitburger's not even close to the best. Spotten. Spotten all day. Yeah. I agree. Spotten. Spotten's good. This is a Spotten house. If you don't like Spotten, (laughs) you you can move to Argentina. Exactly. I'm going to take a shiza on you. Took one semester of German. That's the one that stuck. Yeah, that makes sense. Somebody <laughs> took a Shiza in or around the coat area. Exactly. Yeah. Danke. Danke. <laughs> Cook. Is Danke Cook still funny? Should we talk about that now? It seems like the time to talk about that. I mean, that. why not? Let's talk about it. Is he it. still funny? Probably. Okay. I don't know. There was a time where it was cool to hate Dane Cook. Kind of like it's it's still cool to hate Nickelback. I think it, it falls into that category. Well, because Dane Cook came out with was it Harmful Swallowed and yeah. Blew the World Away yeah. with that? And then when he did Vicious Circle, and you could see him doing good jokes still, but also pandering to the crowd at the For same sure, time. Pandering. He is one of those people where he would drop, like it was like an old, bring him back, Steve Martin. When Steve Martin used to do the same bits in front of crowds, they'd be like requesting bits. Yeah. And it's a weird thing yeah. in comedy. Do the pickles! It's weird because it's like when you think about concerts and stuff like that, it's like these are songs that you've heard. Yeah. On the radio and all over these places. And you still lose your mind when you see him play it live because it's just a little different and the energy is really there yeah. around all these other people. But in comedy, it's like, this is a thing you've laughed at before. You know the punchline. Right. right. You, there's no surprise twist here that's going to make you laugh harder. Right. And yet somehow Burt Kreischer has a career. It's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> he legitimately does the machine as an encore at every show. As he should. That story's incredible. It's amazing. And I actually love him. So I can't really, can't poo-poo him too much. So we're saying Dane Cook's still funny. 
I think Dan Cook is probably still fine. There you go. I guess like his brother stole all of his money or something. It's a whole There's like a fiasco. whole thing yeah. about it. It's crazy. But I'm going to go with probably still funny. Didn't like Louis C.K. steal jokes from or something like that or vice versa? Or I don't know. I know it got addressed on the show, Louis, at one point. Oh, really? Yeah. Weird burying of the hatchet in front of a camera that's also scripted. So is it really burying of the hatchet? Yeah. I don't know. Bury that scripted hatchet. I don't know. I'd imagine Louis C.K. jerked off in front of Dane Cook at some point. Yeah, probably. Somebody jerked off on the coats. It was Louis C.K. <laughs> yeah. He asked permission for what it's worth. Right. Does it make it right? He stood in front of the door while he asked it, but. <laughs> that's right. So Dane couldn't get to his coat. <laughs> so X-Men first class, huh? Oh, yeah. That's right. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> Meanwhile, in England, a grown-ass Charles Xavier, James fucking McAvoy. Digitally altered. Patrick Stewart. Uh, what, Jim- what a weird choice. Jimmy Max. That's what we're going to go with, huh? I don't know. Maybe. He's graduated from Oxford, and he's publishing his thesis on mutation. Raven, Mystique, now played by Jennifer Lawrence, is still hanging out, and she gets real jealous whenever he hits on non-blue girls in pubs. She gets real jealous. Real jealous. Yeah. And this dude is oblivious to it. Yeah. Or, or he's just mm-hmm. like, mm, you're kind of blue. You are kind of blue sometimes. Dabba-dee-dabba-dee. Direct quote from this movie, I couldn't believe it either. I was surprised. That kind of comes to a head in the next scene, for what it's worth. Isn't the next scene? It's the next scene with them. When they're back at their flat or whatever, and Mystique comes out saying, hey, would you ever date me? And he's like, of course, anyone would date you. You're yeah, beautiful. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, what if I looked like this? He's like, oh, you're like Ooh. a sister to me. <laughs> so like, you're like a blue sister to me. Right. Yeah. Uh, number one sidekick superfan, Steven. He's not here right now. He's out. Yeah. Shitting on the coats because he's disgusting. Well. He's a disgusting let's man. Let's be nice. I called him a man for once. He should All right. feel honored. <laughs> I, guess if, I guess if that's the game you're going to play, disgusting man is better than whatever <laughs> is you usually call him. A not disgusting boy. I don't. Who knows? I don't know. He's blue. He's and he's blue. like a sister to me. So Exactly. I wouldn't date him either. There you go. The relationship explained. Yeah, we got it. She has the hots for him. He's like, you're too blue for me. Well, she has the hots for him because he's a human being in this movie. Yeah. That's really all it takes. Oh, we'll get there. (laughs) Las Vegas, Nevada. CIA agent Moira McTaggart, played by Rose Byrne, takes off all her clothes and follows a U.S. Army colonel into the Hellfire Club. Well, she does it because this kind of follows the whole trope of the 1960s spy movie of- Oh, they got strippers. It's real masochistic. Ladies of the night. Yeah. There's people going into there. I've got a- London. This story and the way that this shot is so brilliant because it does follow the 60s Bond films of we're going to introduce this, we're going to introduce this, we're yeah. going to introduce this, we're going to be here, we're going to be here, we're going to be here. We're setting up the whole story. It's all going to come to fruition at some point. But this is a spy thriller. This movie is a full-blown spy thriller. Absolutely. It is paced exactly like it would have been for the early Bond films, which are not really terribly great sometimes. <laughs> but- it feels good. It's very it feels intentional. Real too. Good. So like it's good, very intentional. Good on the Mad Matthew Vaughn. He filmed it in the same style. Yeah. Which blew my mind when I read that. He brought in like five different cinematographers just to get it right. And then only one of them got credit. But like But there he were five. did the five. He did the five. I love whenever people give a damn. Yeah. Makes me happy. I think we said something similar to that last week. So at the Hellfire Club, Moira finds Kevin Bacon and his mutant friends, Emma Frost, played by January Jones. Riptide, who doesn't have a single line in this movie, and Azazel, who looks like the actual devil. What'd you think of the Brotherhood? Is that where we are? They're the Hellfire Club. Yeah, they will be coming. They're the, the children yeah. of the Atom. Right. What'd you think? The Henchies. They're uh, Henchy. All right. I-, I just wasn't digging Azazel. He's personally. goofy. He's real goofy. He like, looks like Dave Grohl in Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny. Yeah, absolutely. I was like, what's this guy doing here in devil cosplay? It's silly. 
That one bothered me a ton. Yeah. Kevin Bacon calmly threatens the Army colonel, telling him that he should reverse his position on advocating the U.S. install nuclear missiles in Turkey, a move the government had previously avoided so as not to provoke war with the Soviet Union. Exposition. Exposition, exposition, exposition. Exposition shies a dump all over the place. When Colonel McGuffin refuses, Kevin Bacon... (laughs) (laughs) Kevin Bacon has Riptide use his mutant powers to conjure a little tornado and hurl the colonel into a wall. So the dude's like, fine. Yeah, that that's all it really should take. Yeah. Oh, you don't have any fillings? Okay. Yeah. That's really how I'll this just one is. Nady into that wall. That's it. This guy doesn't say much, but he doesn't say anything. But he will cyclone you. He sure will. <laughs> and Kevin Bacon is like, all right, devil guy, teleport him back to the president's war room, where he goes and supports the placement in Turkey, and nobody questions why he just showed up out of nowhere wearing well, a tuxedo. While Rose Burns on the phone said, hey, this dude is about to turn. He's like, this dude's sitting this right dude here. here. He explained how he got 5,000 miles He smells like Las Vegas, but he's here. He's here. <laughs> it's neat. I like it. Kevin Bacon would later meet with the colonel again on his yacht for reasons, at which point Colonel McGuffin pulls out a grenade and threatens to pull the pin and kill himself and everyone on the boat. But Kevin Bacon's like, do it. <laughs> <laughs> nice guy, Kevin Bacon, saying, explode me. Yeah. I want you to explode me. Explode me. <laughs> So he takes the grenade and pulls the pen himself, absorbing the blast, because that's right, Kevin Bacon is a mutant. Sure is. He absorbs energy, which also keeps him young, which is a super convenient thing when you only hired one actor to play the same guy 20 years apart. For what it's worth, Kevin Bacon, he's ageless. He's only gotten better looking. Uh, Okay, maybe, yeah. You don't think so? Sure. He looks more like a skeleton every time I see him. Well, yeah. He takes care of himself. (laughs) That's how you know it's healthy, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's slowly turning into the Crypt Keeper. Oh, not that far. No, no, no. It's not that far. I said slowly. Fair. Slowly. (laughs) A very nice Crypt Keeper. Oh, the nicest Crypt Keeper you could ever imagine. Like the best Nazi you'd want to fight in an X-Men movie. Right. Who would take your coats and put them in a non-shittable place. Right. Looking out for you, Dane. (laughs) I like how we're going to slowly bring Dane Cook back. We could try as hard as we want. I don't know if we're going to be able to do it. It's going to take a lot of trying. Even Dane is trying right now. He can't do it. (laughs) Is he still like... Writing, quote unquote, writing. I think he's like actively trying to do stand up again stealing. because I think that's he really has no money stealing. Anymore. What he needs to do is he needs to organize a mutant plan to steal jokes from other comedians and like some sort of heisty way to get his career back. Oh, a shiesty heist. A shiesty heist. That's it. Dane Cook in <laughs> shiesty, shiesty heist. heist. I'd watch that movie. <laughs> it's probably got Jessica Simpson, Jessica Simpson in it, Simpson too. is for sure in it. <laughs> Jessica Alba. Just all the Jessicas who can't really right? act to that. Dak? Level. He's back? Dak is back? That'd be great. Isn't he married to Kristen Bell? Oh, yeah. They're very Bastard. I know. Anyway. <laughs> so then Kevin Bacon goes and he taps on the colonel, expelling the grenade's energy into his body and presumably making him go all kablooey. Right? He exploded him. Exploded him. It's like, oh, you're going to explode me? I'll explode you. What a film. What a future film. How about it? Moira, having witnessed some mutant fuckery at the Hellfire Club. <laughs> Seeks out Xavier's advice on mutation and takes Charles and J-Law to the CIA to convince the chief that Kevin Bacon is a threat. That man can't ever be a threat. He's too nice of a Nazi. such a nice guy for a Nazi. The CIA is like, you done lost your mind. And Chuck is like, mind you say, I can read yours. And they're like, bullshit. And finally Raven is like, look, I'm blue. Can we move the plot along, please? (laughs) I like how even after they said that, he's like, that's a good trick. I like how... How de-aged Patrick Stewart always refers to these things as a trick. <laughs> yeah. Not oh. so much as a power or anything. He's like, that's, that's a good trick. It's a good trick. I like that a lot. Show you mine. Do you think if you were a mutant, it would be like a, you show me mine, I'll show you your situation? Louis C.K. would have been a great Doesn't that actually mutant, happen in actually. this movie? It does. 
But Louis C.K., great mutant. Well, maybe. Agree to disagree? That's the right move. It depends on what his mutation is. Right. I feel like the mutant culture doesn't sort of have a cancel culture because of how fucky it gets. I don't know. I feel like Magneto's pretty canceled. I don't think he is. Well, you're not wrong, actually. What mutant would be canceled? Probably Wolverine. We'll get there. (laughs) We, we, We will get there. So this one dude in the meeting is like, I fucking knew it. He's got a whole covert facility ready to house some mutants. It's Oliver fucking Platt. It is Oliver fucking Platt. What a cool get. Uh, it's an awesome get, and they didn't even give him a name. Nope, didn't need it. He's the guy in the suit. Man in black suit. Sorry. A- apologies You're to close. the Platt family for the, getting that one wrong. Apologies to the man family, because call him a guy. You're right. Leslie Mann, wife of Judd Apatow, I want to directly apologize to you. That's not the man family I meant. He's, he's just man in black suit with one end. This is too complicated of a movie. It's gone too Clearly. far. Yeah. So anyway, this guy's like, come hang out at my CIA facility that is cost <laughs> lots and lots of money. And Xavier's like, mm, first, we got to find Kevin Bacon. Right. It turns out Kevin Bacon is on his yacht relaxing with Emma Frost and Riptide when Michael Fassbender shows up. Emma Frost uses her telepathy and diamond skin to disarm Fassy Benz and pushes him overboard. For what it's worth. When we said in X-Men Origins Wolverine that that was not Emma Frost, who was conveniently an Emma who had the same exact powers as Emma yeah. Frost. That's totally fucking Emma Frost. Like a billion percent in X-Men Origins Wolverine. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's Emma Frost. Yeah. The powers are identical. It's the same thing. They were like, oh, your name's Emma, and you have the, the same powers as Emma Frost, but you're not Emma Frost? Neat. <laughs> not going to try to figure that one out, but, but and yet, totally who it this is. This guy who doesn't have the powers of Deadpool is Deadpool? All right. Good story. It's not a bad movie. It's not. It's just not a terribly good movie. Exactly. It's fun, damn it. It is fun. It's enjoyable. I like that they do something with an actual historical event. We'll get there. We'll get there. Then Moira, Xavier, Mystique, and the one CIA dude with no name just show up with a whole ass Navy vessel on this covert, unapproved mission based solely on the word of Jimmy Max and Moira. I want to imagine that General Hummel is somewhere going, they better not die. Their spouses and family are not going to get paid off for this. The rock style. Right. Because it's covert. Is it so much covert as it's just like, yeah, we're going to do this, even though the CIA was like, put them in that facility or wherever. We got to study them. They, there's no clearance for this. They just showed up with the Navy like, let's go get Kevin Bacon. It's good power. Let's just send some semen in there to get Kevin Bacon. That's it. Louis C.K. <laughs> That's the power. <laughs> so Michael Fassbender, he's in the water splashing around, and he decides he's going to attack Kevin Bacon by using the anchor and the chains of the yacht to tear the boat apart. It's pretty neat. Luckily for Kevin Bacon, he's got a secret escape submarine hidden below the deck of the boat. As a Bond villain would. That's very true. So digitally de-aged Sir Ian McKellen tries to stop him (laughs) because submarines are metal, but he's not so good at it just yet, and the sub starts pulling him along in the water. So Charles jumps into the ocean and stops him so he doesn't drown. I Like the whole time I want to call him Charles. 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 Speaking to him telepathically and telling him it's useless to follow Kevin Bacon. Tell that the cast of the following. It's true. <laughs> Weird, right? Weird. So Michael Fassbender joins Xavier and Mystique at the CIA facility where they meet Hank McCoy, played by Nicholas Holt. Charles immediately outs him as a mutant because he's in his head already because he's got no That's real rude. decency. Right? Like, oh, you're one of us. And meanwhile, CIA dude is like, whoa, 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 what? Oh, you didn't tell him. Oh, my bad. Coming out of the mutant closet is a big deal, as we learned in yeah. X3. Yeah. Professor X is a dick. He is a dick. That isn't right. What do you think the tryout for the Professor X role was in this? Do you think they just said, like, come on in, just come into the... Now, 
put your fingers to your temple. How are you going to do it? You've got the job. That was beautiful. Because that is all he does in this movie. Yeah, it's just <laughs> two fingers to the temple, and that's uh, and boom, you're you Professor got the, X. You got the job. So Hank McCoy's got some fucked up feet, and that gets Jennifer Lawrence real hot. Yeah, because he is a human in this movie. She's like, <laughs> Not oh. a human. I shouldn't say human. He's just, just a being in this movie. Yeah, she's like, oh, you're a mutant who looks funny like me? Yes. Pickles. <laughs> Hank and Charles use a prototype Cerebro to locate mutants and recruit them to train to stop Kevin Bacon. Nazi Kevin Bacon. It's important to remember that he's Nazi Kevin Bacon. Right. And this is where we get a really fun cameo. I like how they walk up to this guy who's just at the bar. Yeah. And Xavier and Michael Fassbender try to recruit Logan. Uh, Logan only has one line. The written line was, fuck off. And they did seven takes with fuck off. And then he finally went with, go fuck yourselves. And their surprise reaction is genuine. I love it. <laughs> it's good filmmaking. It's there. great. I don't think this Wolverine gets snapped. Why would he? Well, because there's no Stan Lee in this movie. I'm not going to snap a wolf. Oh, that's fair, but. It is a cameo, but yeah. I don't want to snap. A cameo? I don't want to <laughs> despise. Yeah, that was, that was bad. Despise the dearly. Des- despise dearly. <laughs> Whatever it was. It was something like that. <laughs> cameo. Cameo? That would be the villain. Then we get a whole- that, s- that movie. Oh, for sure. Cameo? Man, Tyler Perry, if you're listening right now. Stanley lookalike. <laughs> oh, boy. So we end up getting a whole slew of new mutants, and they all get code names to make them easier for the audience to remember. I do appreciate it. Banshee, Darwin, Havoc, and Angel, who's played by Zoe Kravitz. What'd you think of all these characters? They're not used in the other movies. Fair enough. <laughs> Are there any that you like, any that you hate? Um, I don't hate any of them. But but I don't I don't know that I love any of them either. That's pretty fair. I think there's a reason behind why. Yeah. They're filler. Yeah, the only one I really don't care for is Angel. She's fine. Like big time. I feel like they tried to force something with her. As we go through this, and it just isn't landing anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And Havoc, that's a summer boy. It's Alex Summers. Who is supposed to be younger than Scott. Right. But in this movie, not. Time doesn't matter, man. The next one's called Days of Future Past. That doesn't that's even, a fucking that title. That sentence doesn't even make sense. Doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Also, at this very moment, Raven dubs herself Mystique. And they even come up with clever names for Charles and Michael Fassbender, Professor X and Magneto. Sure. So this scene sucks like hey, a ton. So do you think there's a John Favreau <laughs> in the Peter Porker universe? There like to. like a hog Favreau? Because not only is this scene heavy handed, it's ham fisted. Holy crap. <laughs> Double down with the rim shot. Mm-hmm. This scene sucks a ton. Oh god, because it's so bad. This move uh, this movie right now is it's cruising along at a pace. Yeah. And the pace is about to get really stale, in my opinion. Because it is going at that bang, 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 spy thriller pace yeah. of this happens, this things happens, this things happens. Things are happening. Things exactly. are happening. Exactly. And, and this happens. Like... And this is, feels like it should be like an Avengers Age of Ultron sitting on the table. We're all buddy-buddy trying mm-hmm. to lift Mjolnir. But instead, it turns out to be like, oh, who are you? What's your name? My name is whatever. You can call me Banshee. I yell. Yeah, my... Whatever. I should be Mystique. I'm mysterious. No, I'm Mystique because look at me. I turned into you. It's so stupid. Yeah, it's like, oh, my name's Darwin, because I can put my head in the tank and have gills. And have gills now. And I just, I'm adapted to survive. Yeah. That's his whole power. For now. For now. But it's such a dumb, idiotic scene that's written into this thing. Yeah. And Jennifer Lawrence, I don't understand what don't. she's doing in this movie. Oscar winner Jennifer Lawrence, yeah. what are you thinking? I don't know what's happening. In she this. is terrible because in this. She is not 
doing a good job. No, and especially in this scene. And this scene is oh, like it's bad. her scene. It is her scene because she's leading the group here as they yeah. come up with their names and whatnot. And after they start breaking all the shit, showing off their powers and whatnot, that's when you have Professor X and Magneto come. And Professor X is like, I'd expected more from you. And as the audience, I'm going, me too, Jennifer yeah. Lawrence. Yeah. I expected a lot more from you. Come and on. And you are garbage in this movie. J-Law? What's the deal? I can't wait for her to fuck Chris Pratt on the side and, and create havoc for the rest of the world. Because <laughs> that definitely happened. You think so? I absolutely do. Okay. That wouldn't surprise me. That would explain a the lot about- The timing is yeah. way too convenient. Of Chris Pratt, he loves himself some Jesus and nothing wrong with that. That's true. And then he, he, does love he him Jesus. finds him some J-Law and he goes, you mean there's other puss out here that I could have? <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. Wait a minute. You're not on a Ferris. I don't know why I turned him into <laughs> like Ray Romano. Yeah. Wait a wait a second. <laughs> oh, you're not my wife. Ah! <laughs> but the kids. <laughs> we should have done this for the kids. I don't know, man. <laughs> That's when we should have known the world was breaking. The day that Chris Pratt could do that. The day that Chris Pratt cheated. Probably. Allegedly. Allegedly. Kevin Bacon plans to meet with a Russian general, but he sends Emma Frost instead. And while she's mind fucking this guy. Sean Muldowney literally. Sean Muldowney literally. She's captured by Xavier and Magneto. She has projected herself onto this man, and he is- He's having a he's good having old a, time. A, a ball, and she's just on the couch drinking a water pretty much. Just, Laughing at him, basically. Yeah. Like January Jones is a treat. She's great. I always forget how good she is in things. I agree. I completely agree. I was like, oh, it's her. And then I was like, oh, right. She's good. Right. <laughs> Why isn't it she in more things? Well, probably because she's a one-trick pony. It's a good trick. It's a great trick. But it's a one-trick. Sometimes one trick is all you need. We talked about Dane Cook and his career already. <laughs> so Magneto briefly tortures her and allows Xavier to tap into her mind and find out that Kevin Bacon plans to start a whole nuclear war between the U.S. and Russia in order to wipe out all normal human beings. Stakes. We got him. We have stakes. It took us halfway through the movie, but we But got we him. have established that, oh shit, we got to stop Nazi Kevin Bacon or he's going to eliminate the whole world. It's hard to believe Kevin Bacon is the bad guy. I know, still. He's such a sweetheart. Still. I told Even you, Even as though, a Nazi. I told it's you. It's weird. I had a feeling the Nazis would be the bad guys in this movie. But is he really a Nazi throughout this whole thing? Or do you think he's acting on his own? I don't know. Because I didn't really think of him as a Nazi. Like, the only time I thought of him as a Nazi was in the first scene. Was when he was a when Nazi. When he was a full-blown Nazi. <laughs> I don't know. He still feels like a Nazi to me. All right. Fair enough. Back in the States, the CIA facility is attacked by Azazel, Riptide, and... Nazi Kevin Bacon, who kill all the guards and agents, and then they uh, they start messing with those mutant kids. Right, they kill them in pretty fun ways. I Azazel, for as shitty a character as he is, it's I like that he power. just kind of teleports up into the sky and drops people. That dropping people That's shot fun. is incredible. Yeah. Oh my god. He dropped man in the suit. He did. I couldn't believe it. It was a bummer. He was just about to get a name. He was, he was like, about to be somebody. Olive. Nope. Oliver <laughs> Splat. Got him. Nailed it. <laughs> That was too easy. That was it. Really just was sitting right there. Yeah. Do you feel good about it? I do actually. Okay. Yeah. You I'm earned it gonna, for what it's worth. You I'm not going to backtrack on that one. That was good, Oliver Splat. What you did was call writing. That's the thing that Dane Cook never did. So you got one up on him. <laughs> I don't know that all of this Dane Cook thievery stuff is true. There's so much of it. That's is that's the problem? I'm pretty sure. I don't know. The I Cook have, family I've never though. really it's looked dirty into family because the brother also. <laughs> because his brother stole all his money. He must steal jokes. Got it. See? <laughs> I like how- It's in the blood. <laughs> I wasn't agreeing. Kevin Bacon offers the mutant kids a place on his side. Most of them refuse, 
But uh, Zoe Kravitz is like, yeah, sure. I'll join you guys. Why not? And then Darwin is like, I got a plan because he can adapt to survive. Sure. And he's like, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to protect Angel while Havoc zaps him and whatever. But Kevin Bacon can absorb energy. So he just absorbs all that Havocness. And then he, he kind of just force feeds it to Darwin. He who, says, survive this. Yeah. And he, he shoves the energy down his throat. And then Darwin blows up. He goes splody too. Well, let me ask you this, because I got really excited watching this happen. He goes through these changes, yeah. these physical changes. And the first one is very Silver Surfer. It was very metallic-y. Yeah. Yes. I got real excited going, is that where this movie's going? Because that's crazy. And then it didn't. No. And he turned into like a rock boy. Yep. And then he kind of went His body was fighting to survive. Right. It failed. It, it did bad. Did, He's got a bad power. It. Yeah, it's his power's probably great as long as you don't, you know, blow him up from inside. Speaking of blowing up from the inside, Mental Floss put out an article from January 21st, 2016, and it is about comedians who stole jokes. The first one on here is Milton Berle. Okay. second one on here is Carlos Mencia. Oh, yeah. Which, That's that is well very well known. Dane Cook is number three on this list. Really? Yeah, it says Dane Cook reached the pinnacle of his stand-up comedy success in 2005 with the album Retaliation, Shot Up, yada, yada, yada. There was an intense microscope on Cook's material after that. The most well-known example includes a Cook bit that bears a suspicious resemblance to an earlier one done by Louis C.K. This one says one of the most revered comics working today. So this has an age terribly well. This is an old well. article. <laughs> right. But there you go. All right. So we know of one bit that Dane Cook might have stolen from a bad man. Right. And Louis C.K. said he doesn't really care too much about the, the steals. Yeah. He says... I'm not going to do anything about this. I'm not going to court over a bit called Itchy Asshole. <laughs> so, God, I hate go. that he's still so funny. Uh-huh. It hurts. It hurts a lot. Damn. <laughs> Why couldn't you just keep your dick to yourself, man? So Magneto, Xavier, and Moira return to find everybody dead except the kids. So they're like, oh, shit, we better train you kids so this doesn't happen again. The kids. So they go to Xavier's mansion. I can't mansion believe the kids. And start training. Deborah. Deborah, <laughs> the, the kids. kids. They're okay. <laughs> So yeah, they go to the mansion to train. Mystique is conflicted about hiding her natural form. She's not comfortable in her blue skin, but Michael Fassbender's like, girl, you're fine. Be your best blue self. This is a, a confusing part because this whole time she's trying to hook up with- Everybody. McCoy. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I'm going to get specific though. Okay. She tries to hook up with McCoy. She says, I didn't know I had a, a finger foot thing going on here. And yeah. I do. I just love I thumb toes. Right. My loins are tingling. You Not got, from the you got hands for feet? You wear gloves on your on your feet? That's awesome. <laughs> Can you tow me? Ew. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> but then right after that, because they're doing the whole serum thing, because McCoy is like, hey, I want to make everyone look all normie norm again. Yeah, mostly of himself. But then he's right. like, but you, you could benefit from this too. He's insane because he's like, my feet are fucked. Whatever. Wear shoes, bud. That's it. Problem solved. You're not a mutant anymore. Kind of. Kind of. But then you have Mystique, who's all blue lady, and she's like, oh, you're beautiful. And he's like, yeah, you're fucking beautiful, J-Law. Uh, I almost called him J-Lo, because well, the J- And the L. It's complicated. J-L. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But he's like, nah, man. No one's going to say you're fucking beautiful when you're blue. No one. I I couldn't believe he said that. I was like, damn. What are you doing, bud? She can change into literally anybody. Yeah. What are you doing? As this we've said guy. in the past, she is the dream. Yeah, yeah, that's that's like ideal scenario right there. And so she goes and she Hank. just gets all naked, naked in the fastbender bed. Yep, and he's like, "You're too young." So she legit turns into Rebecca Romaine. 
Which is a great, is great, such a good great wink ding. Cameo wink ding. Beautiful Beautifully moment. done. He still says no. She changed back into a blue, a blue lady. And it's and she's like, it's can, on, I ha- can I have a, a robe? And he's like, nah, walk around naked. Yeah. And she's like, all right. The power, man. <laughs> Young Sir Ian McKellen, was, he was a little pervy, I guess. Yeah, pervy, but he had a way with words. It's true. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, Hank has this vaccine that he's been working on because he wants to become regular because he doesn't like his feet. When you say become regular, I'm thinking of more like a Metamucil thing. Yeah, like he's got a, he got a, <laughs> he's a got lot like more a, fiber in his diet. Exactly. Yeah. Like, it, this is like the Metamucil for your DNA. Basically. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's Metamutant. Nope. <laughs> it's close. Good enough. But when he takes this vaccine, there are some unexpected side effects. He just got done saying, no one will love you when you're blue. Well, guess what, bitch? You're real blue now. You're furry and blue. You're a lovable, furry little Kelsey Grammer. I couldn't believe that the age Kelsey Grammer for this. I, I, I the amazed. voice isn't even close, Not though. even close. Do you know that Nicholas Holt not only studied the X-Men books and Kelsey Grammer's performance, he went back and he watched Frasier for research. What does that have to do I with X-Men? Know. Mostly because Nicholas Holt in this movie is closer to Niles than he is to, to Frasier. Yeah, well- there you go. What? I guess he was like, <laughs> I gotta watch some Frasier if I'm gonna play Beast. The natural thought progression. Uh, quick question, Matthew Vaughn. This is Nicholas Holt talking. Is my father going to move in with me at any <laughs> point in this movie? I just need to know right up front. I prepared for this. Will craft services have tossed salad and scrambled eggs? <laughs> is there going to be an old recliner that does not fit in with anything I've done <laughs> furniture-wise? <laughs> No? Okay. I just need just to know. Asking. For just, character just development, I need to get to the inside of this character, Hank McCoy, with my weird finger feet. Finger feet. And now, blue furry finger feet. So the newly assembled X-Men team boards in the Blackbird jet, and they fly to the Caribbean. Sure. Because this movie's still going. Because it's still going. It's a long movie. President Kennedy institutes a blockade of a Russian fleet in the Caribbean Sea. You know, the Cuban Missile Crisis. You've heard of it. You've heard of it. This is an actual historical event. Yeah. You children. <laughs> and, uh, that Kids. played out. And here we are. Here we've, we are. We've brought we're, realism into the X-Men. We're doing the Three Mile Island thing again. Here we go. I love when movies do this. It's nice, isn't where it? Where they base these fictional events around a real thing. So you have like some sort of something you can compare it to. Like, okay, that's really neat that like I could place this in history now. You can. It's nice. I really appreciate this quite a bit. Yeah. Kevin Bacon travels with the Russian fleet to ensure that the missiles get to Cuba. Xavier, Moira, and Magneto fly to the blockade to stop the fleets from engaging. Wearing a special helmet that blocks out telepathic interference, Kevin Bacon uses the sub's nuclear core to charge himself up. Right, so now it's Atomic Nazi Kevin Bacon. Atomic Nazi Kevin Bacon. That is the name of my album. That is a movie I didn't know I ever wanted to see, and then I saw it. Yeah, it exists. And I Lucky us. It. And it happened to be an X-Men movie. <laughs> How about that? Azazel is killing crew members of the Russian missile ship, and Xavier is using his powers to make a Russian officer on one of the escort ships fire a missile and destroy the cargo ship carrying the Soviet weapons before it crosses the demarcation line established by the U.S. You got a lot of people doing a lot of things here. There's a lot happening. But it basically is complicated. We're avoiding nuclear war. Correct. Matthew Vaughn does a hell of a job because this part is mostly visual, this whole part of the movie oh, of what's happening. Time. And he does a pretty good job of telling the story visually. I agree. I like it. With Xavier's help, Magneto finds the point between rage and serenity, enabling him to unlock the full potential of his powers, which means now he can literally pull Kevin Bacon's submarine out of the water. But then Riptide, he's like, I'm not going to say anything, but I'm going to fuck your day up. 
and he forces the X-Jet and submarine to crash on a nearby beach with a little hurricane action. It looks awesome. The submarine coming out of the water looks awesome. Real cool. Xavier desperately tries to locate Kevin Bacon with his telepathic ability, but he can't because he's in the reactor room of the sub and he wears his helmet. And for some reason, Charles can't get there. So Magneto goes after him. He just starts tearing through the sub. He finds the reactor room and they fight. And the shielding around the chamber cracks, which means now Xavier can locate Kevin Bacon. He can. It has like an Emma Frost layer yeah. around it so that it's everything else is just completely blocked out. Now, I, under, I was always under the understanding that she was made of diamond, yeah. but it seems like her diamonds are real breakable. They're real breakable like, diamonds. Super breakable diamonds. Like when she turns her skin diamond and then he like strangles her with, with the foot of a bed. They start cracking. And her Crack diamonds are diamonds. cracking. You know, breakable diamonds. That's why you got to get those blood diamonds. Emma Frost. That's how you know they're good. She's got that cubic zirconia power. Oh, hey, hey. What? They're cheaper, but they look great. But they probably crack under pressure. I would imagine they, well, they don't get more diamondy under pressure, I don't think. Otherwise. They become diamonds. They'd be diamonds. diamonds. And that's what she wanted to begin with. <sighs> I guess so. I don't know. Do you think that she just needed to be like, just crushed a little? You would think that she'd become harder as she got crushed then. I mean, I would. Oh, boy. <laughs> hey. And here we are. Yeah. <laughs> January Jones, she looks great in this movie. Yeah, she sure does. That's all I got to say about that. And we will leave it at that. Magneto tries to overcome Kevin Bacon with a metal in the room, but Kevin Bacon counters with his own powers because he's nuclear charged. Right. So he's like real strong because, you know, he absorbs energy. And from what I hear, nuclear, a lot of energy there. I like how he is a seemingly unbeatable villain. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. And you're this late in the movie and you've not found a flaw in this character yet that you can actually defeat. I love whenever that happens. You're great. still discovering new things about this villain. Yeah. It is a really nice touch. But Magneto, using his little his little metal bending powers, he plucks Kevin Bacon's helmet from his head with a length of cable, and now all of a sudden Xavier can make his way into his little brain and freezes Kevin Bacon in place. Frozen bacon. Right? Magneto puts the helmet on to block out Xavier's telepathy, and he admits, he's like, yeah, I agree with everything you said. I'm still pretty mad that you killed my mom. God, that's so crazy. Like, you know that underneath what Fassbender's putting out here, because Fassbender is working in this entire movie. Oh, yeah. He is a really, really good actor. He's crushing it. And I like how you see him agreeing with the stuff Xavier's saying, Mm -hmm. but then also having his own mindset of even telling Xavier earlier, he's like, bro, like, you know how this is going to go if I get one-on-one with him. Yeah. Let's face it. Yeah. I'm definitely going to kill this guy. I'm definitely going to kill this guy. And Xavier's like, no, you don't have to kill anybody. But that's the reason why I've always said Magneto is a phenomenal villain. Yeah. Is that you can understand where he's coming from. Yeah. And in this one, you very much can understand where he's coming from more than ever. This is a phenomenal Magneto. Reasoning why is because they scrapped X-Men Origins Magneto movie. Right. They just took a lot of the things from that and threw into this character. And it makes me curious to see what that movie would have been. But now I don't have to. Right. This is perfect. This is it. This is absolutely perfect. They took that movie and they're like, do you want to add in more Xavier and some like young mutants? Yeah, let's do that. Cool. That's the movie. Magneto's a great character. Michael Magnus. Fassbender's a great a- actor. Fassbender's and crushing the digital, it. the digital rendering of Sir Ian McKelling to de-age him down into that is just <laughs> second to none, really. It's very well done. Scorsese, you ain't got shit on this movie. Wow. Yeah. This roller coaster ride of a movie. That's right. <laughs> the Irishman, by the way, too damn long. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I haven't watched it. It's too damn long. That's all I have to say about that movie. I feel like I'm Forrest Gump. <laughs> That's all I have to say That's about that. That's all I have to say about that. Speaking of no legs, let's get there. <laughs> <laughs> so Magneto agrees with Kevin Bacon about mutants and humans and how he never would have developed his powers if Kevin Bacon hadn't forced him to. But he's still pretty bad. He killed his mom. 
So he slowly forces the very coin that Kevin Bacon taunted him with at the beginning of the movie through his brain. You see it go into the skull. Very, very slowly. And the camera keeps working its way across that yeah. cranium. And then it goes Now, right mind the you, back. mind yeah. you, Charles Xavier is in his mind this whole time and is also feeling this excruciating pain. Yeah, coin to the brain. Coin to the brain. Not fun, even if it's not your brain. Correct. Who would have thunk it? So Magneto exits the wrecked submarine with Kevin Bacon's body and announces to his fellow mutants that the humans in both fleets are the real enemies and that mutants should band together to fight them. And Charles is like, bro, no. That's, that can't be true at all. Magneto goes, hey, bro, read it. Read them minds. And in that moment, Professor X looks over at McTaggart, Moira, and he goes, call it off. Call it off. Because he recognized, oh, shit, Magneto's right. Mm-hmm. It is a very cool moment. Yeah. I really like that relationship a lot. It's it's really, I love the way that they established like this believable relationship in not a lot of time. It's not a lot of these time These two have not known each other You see long. these guys, it feels like Magneto's henchy a lot of the time, but mm-hmm. also he's older than the other kids and whatnot. And you see them playing chess the whole time, which is a nice little touch that as well. Is. But they have this relationship and it is strong because they are the two older kids. Let's call them what they are. Yeah. It works. And Professor Xavier is a pretty reasonable dude considering, like, all this stuff yeah. that he's fighting for. We're going to get there really shortly. Both the U.S. and the Russian fleets fire their missiles and shells at the beach, but Magneto, now fully in control of his abilities, stops the projectiles in mid-flight and turns them back around on the ships. Can we quickly talk about Fassbender and the helmet? Yes. Looks awesome. Uh, it fits him perfectly. Good, we talked about it's it. It's great. Missiles. In the ensuing fight, Moira ends up firing at Magneto with a little gun she's got on her person. But he deflects the bullets because they're metal bullets. Yep, not hard for him to do. But one of them ends up striking Charles right in the spine. Whoopsie daisy. All of the missiles and the shells that are falling back towards the, the ships fall into the ocean or explode. I like that these missiles fall because Magneto rushes over to Charles. Right. Because he's like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> this is not good. This is not <laughs> this good. Is bad. <laughs> yeah. And he starts choking Moira with her dog tags because, like, you did this. Right, well, he's pulling the like, bullet out at the same time he yeah. pulls it out, and then he's choking more with the dog tags, and he's like, you did this! Charles is like, nah, nah dude, wasn't her, it was you. Magneto even goes like, it was me. Yeah. Shit. Shiza! He's gone cold, I'm wondering why, <laughs> got out of bed at all. <laughs> no. Why? Stan! We got ourselves a Lieutenant Dan ice cream situation. Lieutenant Dan! Xavier. Ice cream! <laughs> I like how this really is just a movie- designed in order to build the relationship between Charles and Magneto. And then destroy it. <laughs> and then destroy it and his legs. And his legs along the way. And make a couple hair jokes along the path. That's it. There's a couple bald jokes that happen. Yada yada. Yep, yep. Dane Cook was never brought up in this movie. Somehow. But somehow got worked into this, yeah. this talk quite a bit. Magneto's like, all right, guys, well, I'm going to fight humans now forever. Who's coming with me? And obviously, Angel and Riptide and Azazel are like, yeah, fuck, we'll go with this guy. I like to think that he looked at everyone in the suits, because the X-Men suits, yeah. let's quickly talk about them. They're fucking great. They're awesome. How it's the blue and the yellow yeah. from the classic X-Men. So good. All the kids Finally. are in them. Even Magneto's in it. It's awesome. But I like to imagine he goes Jim Burr half-baked, pretty much knowing who's coming with him. It's one of those like, fuck you, fuck you, you're, you're cool. cool, fuck you. Yeah. And uh, turns out Mystique is cool. Mystique's cool. Well, Mystique isn't cool. Until she is, because Mystique goes over to Charles. Charles says, you gotta, I know you want to go. You got to go with him. It's what you've always wanted. She goes, thought you'd never read my brain. He's like, eh, well, well I can't feel my fucking legs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do what I want right now. You okay, Mystique. never read okay? my brain. 
It's like, yeah, well, tell that to fucking Hank. <laughs> He's blue now because I blew up his spot. Right. Literally blew up his spot. That's right. Sean Muldowney literally. <laughs> That's two Sean Muldownies. Got to be very careful. Ugh, if you say it three times, he shows up next week. If you do it three times, to- oh, well, we'll get there. <laughs> I was going to say, if you say it three times, he Louis CK's everywhere. <laughs> Oh, I was not ready for that. <laughs> I nearly got a spit take out of Brian. So Magneto leaves with Raven, Angel, Riptide, and Azazel, you know, because he just poofs him out of there because he's the devil who teleports. Right. He's Red Nightcrawler. Sure. And then- I just heard number one sidekick superfan Steven's boner crawl up inside him for that because <laughs> it's not blue. Red? Red? How dare you? <laughs> and we cut to a wheelchair-bound Xavier and his fellow mutants returning to the mansion where he's like, I guess I'll start a school. And he wipes Moira's memory because he's a After dick. After they kiss. Yeah, he kisses her and he's like, now you will remember none of this because he's a dick and he doesn't trust her. For what it's worth, I saw the movie Murderball and I also watched Friday Night Lights where you have the whole the whole wheelchair, everyone, and sex. It's a thing. It's an important thing in a relationship for these people in those situations, yeah. especially in Murderball and Friday Night Lights. Those two especially. One very real, one very fictional. Yep. When you got Rose Byrne, who says, the guy, you, James McAvoy, who you look like a fucking ghoul on your best day. <laughs> <laughs> and you're here and you are all paralyzed. And she still wants it? Maybe leave that part of the brain. Maybe. Maybe a little bit. Maybe, maybe just leave, leave a little breadcrumb. I could find later. I couldn't understand it. He was just like, now you will forget all of this. And then she goes to the CIA and she's like, yeah, I, I forgot everything. I don't remember shit. I remember there being a kiss, and then the fucking CIA director, because oh, 1960 right, says, he's like, oh, this is why women can't be the women. CIA. <laughs> oh, God. Also, while we're at the CIA, Emma Frost is alone in a holding cell, and the door is suddenly ripped from its hinges as Michael Fassbender walks in, fully decked out in the classic maroon and purple, and he tells Emma Frost, call me Magneto. Credits. Oh, so good. I love the Fassbender costume in this thing. So good. Because when you look at the helmet, it has the little thing in the middle, yep. which you don't usually see. Yep. And it reminds me of Scarlet Witch a lot. Yeah. You're not wrong. It's nice. It's really cool. That is X-Men First Class from 2011, directed by the Matthew Vaughn. That's the movie. Dude, this movie kicks ass. It's so much it's fun. It's so good. It's real slow in the middle, and there's one stupid scene that could definitely take you out of it oh if you let God. it. But don't let it yeah. work through the stupid. Speaking of stupid scenes, <gasps> incoming message from the Big Giant Web. What? Big Giant Web is a podcast within a podcast where we explore the dark corners of the internet for stories that are fringe superhero related. I like how you went full-blown archaeologist and dusted this thing off because oh, it's been yeah. a while. Oh, we're trying to ramp up to 100. We are close, we're baby. We're pulling out we all the close, stops. Baby. So while I was doing research for this here movie, I came across this comedy writer, Keaton Patty. He's written for New Yorker, Marvel, The Onion, Comedy Central, and McSweeney's. He performs with the uh, UCB. Ooh, all right. And he's got this running bit on Twitter that started (laughs) with like an Olive Garden thing, and then he did Batman, and he just happened to recently post this X-Men thing where he he claims he forced a bot to watch a thousand hours of X-Men movies and then asked it to write an X-Men movie of its own. So this is a bot-written script. From an X-Men movie. Oh, this is so exciting. And Dave, I'm going to need your help here. I'm going to hand you a script right now. Okay. I've I've highlighted your parts. I'm going to be doing the stage direction and the part of Charles Xavier, and I'm just going to need you to fill in Wolverine, Cyclops, and Magneto. So take a couple seconds. Think about how you're going to portray each character. Oh, it's not hard to. Let me get in my Wolverine mode. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Good start. Good start. All right. Just getting smelly. Let me get in my Cyclops mode. 
<sighs> Broody. It's good. Oh, man. It's perfect. All right. And uh, Magneto? Chenegar. Inner Sir Ian I feel McKellen? like I need like an ascot and a scotch to get in that mode. Sounds good. He is classy as fuck. He's very classy. I'm ready. All right. Now this is X-Men as written by a bot. All right. X-Men bot theater. Interior. X-Mansion. Private school for the weird. The X-Men and X-Women gather around their manager, Professor X. They all have powers. <laughs> their manager. Professor X's power is wheelchair. <laughs> you expect me to get to this whole page? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. Professor X. <laughs> we aren't normal. We are mutants. Normal to us is mutants. So we are normal. This was your first class. The X people. <laughs> Come on. This was your first class? The X people's <laughs> throwaway school books. One is a Wolverine. His power is hard bones and sharp hands made of adamantium. <laughs> That's a. Adam Mantium. Yes, like a, like a man's name. Wolverine. Why do we school? Fighting is faster. Wolverines do not learn. I read minds. You read nothing. We each have a usefulness. Storm is friends with the cloud. Useful. <laughs> Storm is the weather's boss. She points at Wolverine, and he's attacked by painful humidity. <laughs> What's painful humidity? He screams like a Wolverine. Enough climate. We're not enemies. We're a team. We are a team of friendly freaks. Shapeshifter Mystique. Shifts her shape into a woman who has a towel. She drives the Wolverine. X-Men are all friends again. Cyclops. My eyes hurt people. <laughs> what a line. All stare at Cyclops, the X-Men with the power of hurtful eyes. He wears glasses to stop his eyes from murder. Yes, we all have gifts, presents, future pasts. All mutants are good. That's not how that works at all. A wall explodes. In floats Magneto, the least good mutant. Magneto. I hate X-Men. I love magnets. <laughs> Foolish X-Men. If you are magnets, I would love you. But you aren't. <laughs> come on. How? Come on. <laughs> That's Magneto. The guy we fight. Careful, X-Men. He can kill with metal. Nobody do anything metal. Wolverine does something metal. Magneto gains several capes. No, this is why you need school. Cyclops. It is okay. My eyes hurt people. Why did you give me these lies? Cyclops <laughs> removes glasses. His eyes are holding guns. Um, I've never wanted to see something more in my life. Yeah, that's just page one. I can only imagine. Like, obviously, this is a bit. It's not really a bot that wrote this. This is the brilliance of Keaton Patty. But is there more? I wish. Is I, there more? I don't think there is. That's it. But I want more. If there's more, let's find it. Yeah. And we'll have more X-Men theater. <laughs> All right. I know there's Batman theater. So Coming soon, Batman theater. <laughs> oh. Hold on a second. Me and Brian both just got- We had a, a moment of the revelation. The are flashing above us. <laughs> so this episode's coming out on Monday. <laughs> Next Monday. But the, the two days previous is Brian's birthday, the Saturday before this comes out. And the Nerdy Thursday boys are going to be with us in person for the first time recording Brian's birthday episode. Yeah. On Turbo, a Power Rangers movie. That's right. Because Brian got to pick, and Brian hates me. Yep. And I love Brian, so I'm going to deal with it. There we go. We're going to do Batman theater with them, and you're going to know I don't know, know if it. there's as many characters, but- we're gonna. I don't care. They could do it alone. All right. <laughs> and I'm fine and with that. we'll figure it out. It'll Perfect. be terrific, and Sean and Mitch have no idea, because they'll have already done it in the past at this point. Yeah, time travel. It's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. Call us a nerdy Thursday. <laughs> Whenever they put out episodes, whenever that may be, they take, they like to take summers off. 
to work on their tans, even though the two whitest people I know. <laughs> Apologies to the whitest kids you know. I feel like uh, their their name got a little trademark infringement there. Came awfully close. That is fucking bananas, Brian. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a moment of brilliance when I saw that and went, oh, I'm going to make Dave read some of these lines. Uh, I have cried. <laughs> I feel guilty that I cried more reading this than I did talking about Chadwick Boseman last week. Yeah. And that's... I definitely got misty. Same. But no, no, no beads actual... of water fell out of my eyeballs. Right. My deadly eyeballs. <laughs> deadly my murder eyes. eyes. Murder eyes. That is fucking gold. Brilliant. That is second to none. Yeah. I'm going to scour this man's Twitter to find as much as I can. I appreciate that. You are a gentleman and a scholar. <laughs> I really like how they set this thing in the 1960s. You kind of you get that feel the whole way through. Oh, definitely. I like how this thing goes off of a comic book feel of this movie is very fun. It has a serious undertone, but it also leans into the corniness. Yeah. So the one shitty scene that's in the middle of this thing, where they're coming up with their names and whatnot, it is stupid, mm-hmm. but it's not out of character right. for what it is. It's not even close to out of character. No, not at all. I think this is great. I think it's a very good I, I legitimately enjoyed watching every second of this movie. Some seconds were longer. The whole middle <laughs> of this movie seconds were longer. slams on the brakes, yeah. where I couldn't believe that there was an hour left at one point. Mm-hmm. But- but then once it starts ramping up again, it just oh, forget it. It goes stop. to the end. Yeah. I like the stakes in this movie. I like how you set up the characters. I like how you have Xavier's vision of what things should be, and you have Magneto's vision of what things should be. Yeah. And it goes from there, and there's a respect both ways. Right. Of, you're both right. You have different- It's a beautiful thing. Ideas of how things should be, but that doesn't mean you're both wrong right. about it. And they both right. understand that, and it's nice. Because realistically, when do the X-Men fight? The Brotherhood. It is it is often. It is often, yeah. But it's usually over something that makes sense. It's usually over something like, we want to kill all humans. Well, don't. Don't do that. <laughs> Maybe don't do that. Bender. <laughs> I think if you want to watch a good X-Men movie, start here. That's good Simple advice. Enough. They use their powers more in the first 10 minutes of this movie than the entire original trilogy used throughout the whole thing, I feel like. And the powers aren't just used for convenience sake. They're right. used to progress the scene along. Yeah. They're, they're constantly not, using them. They're not introducing new characters for their powers. You're right. They make the powers fit the situation, which is a nice thing. Mm-hmm. I really like that. It's not like, oh, shit, we need somebody who can do this. Oh, here's this character. <laughs> right. Like in X3, they're like, this one might as well be called Wildcard. What do they do? Whatever, whatever we need, need them to Whatever for the we scene. need to. <laughs> <laughs> this makes me really excited for X-Men Days of Future Past. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, it does. And I've okay. read Days of Future Past. I don't know how closely it's going to stick to it. I don't think it does at all. This doesn't stick to damn near anything. No. So I'm curious. Yeah. If this team pulled this off, I want to see where we're going. This is the first time I've been excited about the X-Men. Wow. Well, yeah. there you go. We've come a long That's way. That's a glowing recommendation when it comes to X-Men. Speaking of glowing recommendations, Rotten Tomatoes. What do you think the critics had to say about this thing? Oh, I have no idea. 77? 86. Nice. That is way up there. It's 87 audience score, so it is mutually agreed upon that this movie does not suck at all. Yeah. Roger Ebert saw this thing. He did. Yeah, he was still alive and kicking. Yeah, the good thing for that, him. that Professor Xavier can no longer do. Kicking. Right, kicking. Of course. He can chew, though. The Will Ferrell movie, Kicking and Screaming? Yeah. It would just be called Screaming. Screaming. With Professor Xavier. Roger gave this thing 2.5 out of four stars. Okay. So he thought it was a little better than okay. That's Yeah. He says, the movie's use of the missile crisis certainly serves the purpose of establishing this prequel in the early 1960s and answers a question I've always had. Does the real world overlap with the histories of superheroes? Mm-hmm. 
The answer is sometimes. Kind of. (laughs) (laughs) When the creators wanted to. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Absolutely. Yeah. He goes on to say, X-Men First Class is competent weekend entertainment. It is not a great comic book movie like Spider-Man 2 or a bad one like Thor. Oh. Yeah. Okay. He's taking punches there. Okay. It is not in 3D, which is a mercy. He's still on the 3D kit. He's still all about that. The actors all embody their roles convincingly, if somewhat humorlessly, and the special effects cope admirably with those rockets changing directions. The battle scenes involve people having terrible things happen to them in somewhat incomprehensible ways, but they also create an intriguing texture for Raven the Shapeshifter. Nicholas Holt as Beast looks as if he's wearing a shag rug suit, (laughs) but there you have it. It's actually a fox fur suit. Is that what it was? Yeah. All right, fine. I guess. (laughs) Let's dye some Arctic foxes blue and slap them on the guy from Skins. Why not? Here we are. Yeah. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. A lot of this stuff. I like, what did he say about uh, competent weekend entertainment? Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah, but then he said Thor was a bad one. Yeah, well, didn't quite nail it. No, but it also is why we got Matthew Vaughn in this movie. That's true. Directing it because he was supposed to direct Thor and he was also supposed to direct uh, X3 Last Stand. Stand. And they said, no, no, no. And he said, all right. He's like, all right, fine. I'll do the next one. Well, it's because he had free reign over this thing. It's pretty much his yeah. vision to set up what's to come, which is awesome. Yeah. He's a good director. But the execs were also like, also don't do anything that completely disagrees with what we've already established. I'll put in chess. Interesting yeah, good line to tell. Right. That's a tricky line to tell. Crushed it. Would you want to be a director who's told that you have free reign to create your new vision, but it also has to line up with something that happens deep into the future? Deep into the future is, is a complicated one. Like- I think I would rather that. It's like 40 years into the future when it comes down to it. Yeah. I think I would rather that than being like, do you want to do the third in a trilogy? So you're saying like Return of the Jedi, Richard Marquand, you don't want to be him, especially after Irvin Kirshner fucking knocked out yeah. of the park yeah. with Empire. Exactly. Got that. it. I, I guess I would rather be in the position to do episode one. You want to be the Lucas. That doesn't sound right, though. I think I think I'm gonna stick with the X Men. I think I would rather do first class than, than last stand. Realistically, when you look at saying. television and television <laughs> pilots especially, is you wanna be the person involved in the pilot. You wanna be the one who directs the pilot. Like look at Boardwalk Empire. You had Scorsese, a prominent film director, yeah, a legendary film director, step down to do a television pilot. Right. And it looks entirely different than the rest of the show. Because obviously Scorsese did it. Right. But he gets them royalties for that show because he's the one who established the look of it. Yeah. You want to get on pilots. Oh, absolutely. That's what it comes down to. So Matthew Vaughn really got himself latched onto the pilot, if you will, yeah. of this. He established the and look now, of what's to come. No matter what happens, he's got a producer credit on any sequels. Good for him. So that's the move. That's playing the system, baby. Just like Brian Singer got a writer credit on this. I was really hoping we were get through this whole episode without talking about Brian Singer. Well, you'll notice I didn't even write his name on the cheat sheet. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Because he's a fucking monster. Speaking of monsters. Oh, I see what you did there. Amazon.com. They reside there. There's almost nothing. Really? For this movie. Yeah. Amazing. 4.7 out of 5 out of 4,500 reviews. 78% of them are five star. Only 1% are one star. There's like 100 of them. Wow. Now, here's the thing about this movie is that the Blu-ray and DVD were real shitty, apparently. Yeah. Where it would sometimes play. Okay. And the digital copy would rarely play, from what I understand. Interesting. I watched this thing on Blu-ray. I got mine from Best Buy. I got the whole set. Yeah. I didn't have a problem with it. I didn't try the digital. I bought the whole set from Amazon. And? And uh, my digital copies would not download for any of the movies. Really? Because apparently it's a Canadian version of the Blu-rays. Sorry. So. Sorry, your copy's not oh, going to download. Sorry about that. You can't download on me. So. 
That's amazing to me because the majority of the one stars were talking about that. That makes sense to me because that's where I went to you look after connect. I couldn't download them. I was like, wait, did I buy a shitty copy on Amazon? So I went to Amazon to look at the comments. I was like, yep. Nope, just did. Canadian. <laughs> Don't want our Canadian listeners to get upset with us by calling them shitty for their Blu-rays that they put out. Well, yeah, you're right. It's not Canada's fault. It's Fox's fault for not honoring the download codes in another country. Apologies to Matt Stone and Trey Parker. I understand blame Canada. In this case, we cannot. Right. It's not Canada's fault. It's Fox's fault. I'm glad Disney bought them. I'm glad they slapped their skins onto Nicholas Holt and painted them blue. Yeah. Take that, Fox. Suck it. Is. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) I only have two reviews. Wow. Yeah. From March 30th, 2014, unfortunately, I can't give zero stars. Clearly, I am not the demographic for this movie. First, the storyline. Wait, there was no storyline. Wrong. With an awful opening scene of a boy being separated from his family by the Nazis and then having his mom shot and killed in front of him, this was spectacularly awful from the very beginning. What kind of sick person uses that as a storyline? Isn't it (laughs) enough that horrible things like that actually happened? Save it for the documentaries. Wait, no storyline. There's no story, but I can't believe that's part of the story. I can't believe that's how they open the story that doesn't exist. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's, come on. Save for the documentaries like Alice in Wonderland. That's right. Alice in Wonderland looks like a documentary. <laughs> Compared to Black Panther, according to One Monster one from monster. last week. Wow. Some people. Some people. Some people. The last one I have is from October 6, 2014. I did not like the movie 13 Days when it came out in 2000, and this movie has a similar course. 13 Days already covered the Cuban Missile Crisis. It is backstory and does provide some resolution to how Charles Xavier was paralyzed. So you're upset about the backstory? They're upset that we finally know how how Charles Xavier lost the use of his lower body. And it so was, that's good. And it was, we got that resolved, because that's the main thing that everyone wants to know. Cuban Missile Crisis. It was already covered in a different movie. But they already covered it in a different in a movie. Different movie. This movie, believe it or not, mostly about Cuban Missile Crisis, a little bit about mutants. A little bit about the Holocaust, too, but Schindler's just did Time. that. That's right. God, Schindler's just did this that movie's already. just retreading other movies. They really are. It's just Cuban Missile Crisis, Holocaust, and, and what are they the gonna first come, four What are they going to go for next? This is silly. By the way, was it X2 or X3 that had the blue guy in it? X2. Done. That was done already. They already had a blue guy. They already had a blue guy. Yeah. This well, is stupid. was in all three, wasn't she? Yeah. So- Done. They just took they a character done. right out of there. They, they took all these, most of these characters. This movie's a ripoff of three of, other X Men movies. That's right. <laughs> Complete rip. It's been done already. Even the guy in the bar scene. I'm pretty sure I've seen him in other X Men movies. I saw him sing one time. He, as he was a showman. He might have been he, the last he one. Might have been a great one. Uh, that's what it was. The best one <laughs> for this bit. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, people. Monsters. There are they though, because they had to say something. Because I needed some content. That's fair. That's and here we are. Yeah. We made we, it. Let's just give this thing a super stuff. Let's give on. this thing a super stuff score. But first, this is an actual IMDb trivia fact. Were there a lot? There were a lot. Not a lot of them were bad. Oh, God. Most of them were like genuinely interesting. But this is a good movie, so it makes sense. Yeah. But here we go. As of 2011, this is the highest grossing film ever made about the Cuban Missile Crisis. 13 Days. What did 13 Days make? I think that's what we really need to look into right now. The Kevin Costner story there. I'm going to look it up right now. Give me right. Another, do you have another IMDb trivia fact? Or is that the only that's one? That's it. Let me look up what 13 Days did. 13 Days barely missed it. Oh, really? Yeah, because this movie, X-Men First Class, cost $160 million to make. It made $352 million box office. So mm-hmm. it probably made it, made it back. Yeah. Made it back. Uh, the budget on 13 Days was $80 mil. 
So half the budget, and they right. still made a movie. That says yeah. something. And uh, no. less mutants, though. Yeah, the total worldwide was only sixty-six. So they didn't get there. Oh, so they really oh, you're didn't right. have Just much competition. Barely beat it. <laughs> Think about it. They're second. They're definitely second. Have there only been two movies about the Cuban Missile Crisis? I have no idea. Because that makes this IMDb fact even better. <laughs> Oh, God. Super stuff. Please. Please, please. Let's give it a super stuff score. We start off, as always, with story motivation. I like it. It's a good story. I I think this establishes the characters. Great motivation. Establishes the motivation between the two characters of Professor Xavier and Eric Luncher. Yeah. As you go through it, they use an actual historical event with the Cuban Missile Crisis. Which I love. Which is a... It's a, a standoff. As long as you're not a monster on Amazon, you're like, hey, this is great. Right, but they're using a historical standoff in order to show this internal standoff between these characters. It is lovely. Pretty How you brilliant. know that blockade is still there between them, even though they're all buddy-buddy. Yeah. It's terrific. It's metaphorical. And also Kevin Bacon is and a Nazi. also Kevin Bacon is a Nazi. How'd they do that? So I'm going to go one. I think a one is warranted here. Heroes. Yeah, exactly. Tricky. This is... A really tricky one. Yeah. Because the villain is also kind of the hero. Right. Because- if you look at the villain, let's do villains first. Okay, let's do villains because first. Because if you look at Kevin Bacon, not Kevin Bacon, as the villain. Yes. He's very good. He's excellent. He's very evil. What he wants to do is he wants the nuclear power within himself, more or less, yeah. in order to kablue the world. He wants to wipe out all of the humans, humans because they say something about radiation creating new mutants. Exactly. Creating these genetic- defects that create mutants so it would in essence wipe out humanity and leave only mutants that's a very good genocide he's a nazi he's a nazi that's a very good villain and the fact that magneto who we often call a very good villain yeah fully agrees with him and this shapes his way of thinking this is going to give nazi kevin bacon a one yeah not i agree nazi kevin bacon is definitely a one on the flip side the heroes on the flippity flop they founded a school, bro. They That's found, pretded, pretty cool, they found right? A, they did. They made a school. They made a school as a, like a last ditch. Like, well, what are you gonna do now that you can't walk, Charles? Guess I'll teach. I guess I'll teach. Those who can't do teach, as they always say, <laughs> right? Why well, they they say that? Yes. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever said it, but people say that. I like the heroes. I do too. I don't love them though because I do think they're I agree. a little forced. To I think a there's point. a lot of the kids filler. are a little the silly. kids. Yeah. The kids, Deborah, the kids. I don't even know that I would make, I would call Magneto a villain in this movie until like the very last I would call scene. Magneto a hero. I would, yeah. So. I'm going to go 0.75. And yeah. it's because I don't like the kids. I agree. I don't hate the kids. Right. I There's just don't nothing like them. Particularly wrong with the kids. They just don't excite me. Right. Which is good. Kids shouldn't excite you. It's true. But yeah, there's. Like, I don't even feel bad when Darwin dies. I'm just like, I got nothing. I barely knew him. We barely knew him. That's why when Angel makes the switch, I, it's I'm one just of those like, like, I don't care um, that you switch. Oh no, I don't know Zoe you. Zoe Kravitz is on the, on the bad side now. I'm going to miss her so much from five minutes ago. <laughs> exactly. We just met. Now yeah. you're gone. Who cares? 0.75. Teamwork. They made that dream work. They did make the dream work. What's interesting about this teamwork is technically Charles and Kevin Bacon never meet. In this movie. You're right. So like the main good guy, the main bad guy, he never touched. Kevin Bacon knows him as the telepath. Right. That's it. That's it. It's really Magneto that defeats him, but he does it with the help because without Charles, he can't beat him. Correct. Because Charles freezes him in place. Correct. That's, I mean, that's teamwork right there. But even you see Charles Xavier building up this team. He's doing the one-on-ones that we see him do in the first X-Men movie with these students of trying to bring out the best in them and try to help them understand these powers. This is definitely a one. Yeah, even the the silly montage in the middle where, you know, it's like teaching the new kids their powers. It's done well. I liked it. It feels very comic booky to me. And we're going to yeah. get there in a second. But I'm going to go one for one. teamwork. 
Female characters. I'm conflicted. I am too. Because Mystique, she just wants to fuck everything. Mystique it's is just really so gross. desperate for somebody to accept her. And I appreciate that. This is more character development than we got out of- Out any, of Rebecca Roman at all. Even when she was a Stamos. Yeah. I mean, it's- Was that it's your character? You're married to John Stamos? It's not a character. That's not a character. <laughs> oh, right. Right, my bad. Um, but yeah, she's just- she wants everybody in this movie. She does, which is wild it's, to me. A little problematic. There's a difference between wanting attention and wanting a D. Right. And her character doesn't seem to recognize that. Yeah. Yeah. I do love Moira. I think Moira kicks so much ass she in this movie. She kicks a ton of ass. I think that and January Jones January Jones. Is I was gonna, just going to say, Emma Frost is crushing it's, She's it. a cool character because she understands that she is this high-powered mutant. Right. And she uses that power in a very smart way. Yeah. But she also realizes that she looks like January Jones. Right. And can right. abuse that in order to get what that, she needs to that do. That is one of her powers. Yeah, but then I, I appreciate how she uses the telepathy sex. Yeah. Which I think is fucking beautiful. It's and it's brilliant, brilliant. And it works with the character because she's like, I'm not going to stoop down this low. Right. Are you kidding me? Right. Come on. Like, I'm going to trick this guy. Yeah. I think that she's great. Yeah. Um, and she's extremely strong. There was originally in the yeah. script a fight between her and Xavier that was going to be like in like a dreamscape rotating rooms and everything. But Inception had just come out and they're like, well, we don't want to look like we're biting Inception. So they cut it. Right. They don't want to be Dane Cook. They don't want to steal anything. Exactly. So they were like, but anyway, that means that she's a powerful character. If she can go toe to toe with Charles Xavier. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to go 0.75 because I do think Mystique is gross. I think we do have to take some points off for Mystique. And Angel's not great either. She does suck quite a bit, but she's barely in this movie. But she's barely there. Who cares? So I think 0.75 is, is correct. Setting. We are everywhere. We are all over the world. This is a, a spy thriller where we travel the entire globe. It's a globe-trotting yeah, adventure. I had, I had trouble following where we were sometimes. Sometimes. That's a bit of a problem. I yeah. like how it told us where we were. I thought we were in too many places, though. I think it, it probably did too much, but it was very much in the 60s the whole time. It was very much in the 60s. I want to go 0.5 on this. Okay. Because I just feel like it was too much jumping, and it was unnecessary yeah. jumping. It was like, okay, now we're in Switzerland. Now we're in Argentina. Now right. we're in the U.S. Now we're in England. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. Style and tone. 60s, baby. It's, it's groovy. It's so good. It's so I think good. that this movie absolutely nails the 60s. It's to the point that you forget that you're in the 60s at a point because it just feels like you fit into it. Yeah. Yeah, it feels natural. I'm going to go one. I think one is right for that. I think it's perfect. I think they absolutely nailed it. Music. This is interesting because this is Henry Jackman. It's Henry Jackman, no relation. Henry Jackman, from what I understand, came up with this like Superman-like theme for this movie mm -hmm. to which Matthew Vaughn said, that's wrong. It's wrong. It doesn't fit this movie at all. So whatever somebody didn't tell whoever did the music for The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Exactly. <laughs> That's two on the nose, actually. Yeah. But Henry Jackman does some cool things where he makes it feel like a Bond movie mm -hmm. in some places, and it works really well. But I also really appreciate how he gives a similar motif to Magneto and to Nazi Kevin Bacon. Yes. To make it... So you're like on the same level with them as the way they're thinking and the way they are. Right. They're like their moral they're, stances. And their paths are intertwined from a very from the very beginning of the movie. It is clever. It's very well done. And and there's nothing about it that really stands out to me in the moment, like musically. Right. I, I want to go it worked very well with the movie. And I think that has to it's do with Henry Jackman's relationship with Matthew Vaughn. I mean, he's done the score for all of his movies. 
And I think like he had an opportunity to be like, here's what I want. I want this to be a 60s spy thriller movie. And Henry Jackman was like, yeah, I got you, bro. I want to go either 0.5 or 0.75. And I can't figure out which because I am I feel like it's a dirty 0.5. Yeah. But then I also feel like it's a too high 0.75. Yeah, it's like it should be like a 0.66. But, but we're never going to do we, that. We're never going to do that. That's insanity. That's nuts. But for a first... No, we're not going to. No, no. <laughs> I like this movie. I want to go 0.75. Fuck it. Let's do it. I like it. Why not? I really like you know the music. What? You know what? It's appropriate. It is appropriate. One-liners. There's not a ton. There's really not many at all. I want to go 0.25 for Wolverine, and that's it. I think that's great. The only reason he agreed to do the movie was because he was like, oh, I get to drop the F-bomb in your PG-13 movie? Yeah, I'm in. Sold. Absolutely. Impact on the genre. It made money and- It made, it made a bunch of money. Pumped out more movies. And it-, it, it You know what? It actually resurrected- rebooted yeah. and resurrected the X-Men series. I don't think it's a gigantic impact. Right. I think it, it well, was like really good life support. It wasn't just like doing CPR. It was like CPR that brought something back to life. And you're like, oh, this is great. I hope I don't have to do CPR again sometime soon. <laughs> oh, geez. I really hope we don't have to put out a movie like New Mutants <laughs> after a horrible flop of a movie like Dark Phoenix. For impact, I kind of want to go 0. 0.5. I think it's safe because it did pump out three sequels. Three sequels to this because yeah. this was that good. Yeah. That it deserved to get explored more. Yeah. I think 0.5 I think 0.5 is, is appropriate. That's going to give X-Men First Class a total score of seven and a half, which is pretty high. That's really high yeah. for an X-Men movie, especially. Especially for an X-Men movie. But yeah, there it is. Seven and a half. I actually feel okay with that. It feels a little bit high for me, but then again, it's a good movie, so I'm it's not It's a very good movie. It. I would highly recommend this one. Yeah. Especially if you hated the first three. This is nothing. If like you the hated first the first three, you like Bond movies. This is your this is your thing. Boom! There's definitely an Did audience you just for that. Shoot me? A little bit from across I, the table. I finger gunned you because right. you were right. Well, at least you're not toe gunning me like Hank would. He would definitely toe gun you in the spine. He would take away your your walking abilities with his toe gun. Jerk. <laughs> Steve Martin. There you go. Hey, Full we circle. did it. Vicious circle. Dane Cook. This circle. Jerk. This is a limp biscuit. We did. I just, I, think I just we, circled I think the circle jerk. Limp biscuited at this point. Steve Martin jerk. Where we just keep going. We are circle jerking point, onto I'm, a biscuit. And I'm is, trapped in a loop. What are we talking about next week? Next week, uh, as we already mentioned, we are going to be talking about my birthday episode, the sequel to last year's my birthday episode, Turbo, a Power Rangers movie from 1997. Nerdy Thursday is supposed to be in the house with us. We time will tell. We got a few days before it happens. <laughs> a few days before that recording. That recording is going to happen in the past from this episode being released. Right. I assume it went great. I believe so. I think it was one of our best. Went off without a hitch. It's going to be hilarious for it's, sure. So uh, Drinks will be had. I mean, it was hilarious. So definitely it check it out. It was the funniest I've ever been involved with. Time travel is confusing. Next X-Men episode. We don't need to do it right now. <laughs> Nerdy Thursday can't even do math. I can't imagine them doing time travel. They try to. They have tried to. They they attempted often, actually. They do. They did Rocket League and then hope people would forget that they did Rocket League, so they did it again. I wonder if they've done Rocket League. They should probably do Rocket League. Anyway. Next week, Turbo, a Power Rangers movie. Until then, be sure to rate, review. I can so- wait. <laughs> I can totally wait. It's going to be just fine. It's I'm, available on HBO Max. I'm very so. excited for your birthday. I am not excited to suck Power Rangers again. <laughs> I gave you a whole year off. I appreciate that. So, you know, I've maybe that's my gift to you. Gold. On my birthday in April, I gave you Howard the Duck and I gave you Demolition Man. Yeah, that's true. And you've given me down two Power Rangers movies. 
and I'm looked at as the dick of the show. That's that's my that's my mutant power is doing evil things and making you look like the bad person. It works. Next week, we're doing Power Rangers. Until then, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Kate Podcasters. Visit our website, katepodcasters.com, and go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash katepodcasters. And if you checked out our Patreon last month with The Rock. The Rock. You know that merch is coming. Ooh, ooh, ooh. It's no longer a secret. It's coming soon. It's coming real soon. Real soon. They got some very cool shirt designs. got some very cool hat designs. And they'll be up on our website before you know it. So keep an eye on katepodcasters.com. And I guess we're going to see you next week. It's Brian's birthday, baby. Woo-hoo. Maybe have a few drinkies before you listen to that one. 30, I just, I'm assuming. 33. The big 33? Big, the big 3-3. Three, three. All right. I guess. That's what they say. The, the big 3-3. Three, three. They do. They say that. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Same pod time. Same pod. Go fuck yourself. So, Brian, that's X-Men First Class. What do you think happens post-credits? I think we cut back to the scene where Hank and J-Law are leaning into each other, talking about that the little needle. And she's like, don't you think people will just like us for who we are? And Hank's like, no one will ever love you if you're blue. And then out of the corner jumps the number one superfan, Steven, completely naked, totally blue, and goes, fuck you. I love you, and I'm blue as fuck. Is that how Steven and J-Law get together? Is that the story? That's it. That's how it goes down. All right. You're welcome, Steven. You're welcome, Steven. (laughs) Dave, what do you think happens? What I think happens is as James McAvoy, Charles Xavier, is recruiting people and he meets Magneto. There's that whole scene in this movie where Charles Xavier is holding the the gun up to Magneto point blank. Yeah. And he's about to shoot him. And he's like, no, no, no. I'm good. I'm good. I can. It's metal. I I can deal with it. I think there's a scene that was cut out of this movie that they put in post credits of James McAvoy asking me, you know, he's like, I need you to fire this gun and I need you to bend this bullet around whatever and I need you to strike something because you're a wanted man now. I want you, baby. (laughs) 